How good a listener are you? Now, don't nudge the person next to you. This is not about how good a listener is your spouse or your friend. Uh, Question is, how good of a listener are you? Uh, You know, when we don't listen well, we can obviously get ourselves in a lot of trouble. I I think back 30 years ago, uh, I was about 20 years old, and I, I wanted to start learning how to play ice hockey. And so I went to this adult uh, beginner ice hockey clinic, and I was nervous. I'd only kind of messed around with rollerblades and, you know, plastic sticks and things like that, but now I had, you know, real skates and real gear, and I was at my first, you know, clinic, and so I was so nervous that we got all the, we kind of did some warm-up skating, and then they got us in drills, like lined up to do this, this first drill, and I was so nervous, I made it a point to get the very last spot in the line. And I wanted to be in the last spot of the line because I, I, I just didn't know how this worked. And so the coach is yelling out all these instructions, kind of a simple uh, horseshoe drill uh, at the time. Now I look at it how simple it was, but at the time I had no idea what he was saying, what he meant. And then he blows the whistle, beep, go. And one line goes off and our line, no one moves. And the reason was I was not at the end of the line. I was at the front of the line. And so he starts yelling, first guy, first guy, first guy. And I realized, oh, nuts. I have to like go. And so I just start skating out randomly. I have no idea where I'm going, no idea what I'm going to do, but I'm just going to hit the brakes somewhere out there, which is not good when you don't know how to hockey stop because I Fred Flintstoned it, went up in the air, landed, and then you slide another 20, 30 feet. And then I basically had to do the skate of shame, like uh, skate all the way back, having no idea, embarrass myself. And of course, when I get to the real end of the line, all the guys are, are laughing, <laughs> first guy, first guy. And that's what I was known the rest of the practice was first guy. So you got to listen. You got to listen. Uh, how good of a listener are you? Well, Jesus often used this phrase. He said, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. And so Jesus realized that one of the most important things that we can do as we're, we're learning to, uh, uh, as he was sharing things, when he felt like there were important things that we needed to, to gather, he would say something like this. And he would say, are you listening to me? Are you, are you really listening to me? In fact, one of the times you can remember uh, probably one of the, his best teachings on kingdom ethics that uh, we call the Sermon of the Mount, he ends with this, this idea. He says, whoever hears my words and puts them into practice is wise. And so we, we see this again and again, this kind of repetitive phrase come up. Are you listening? You know, do you have, if you have ears to hear, uh, hear, he's just asking, are you really listening to what I'm saying and what his expectation was? Not just that we would hear it, but that we would, we would pull it into our heart and life and we think about what it meant to do it. And so this is the big idea I want you to see today as we're, we're teaching through uh, the book of Mark is that what we're going to see today is this, this idea is going to be threaded throughout this, this entire message. But life with Jesus means listening and doing what he says. Listening and doing what he says. So we, we've started this series. We're about, this is our fourth weekend. We're doing a series called Life with Jesus that you were created to do life with God. Not over God, not under God, not from God, not for God, but you were created to live a life with God. In fact, God's entire story, as you read the Bible from cover to cover, as you see the whole story of God unfold, it begins with the creation, and we were designed to live life with God. And even when we rebelled, we see that most of the Bible is the story of God's redemptive work to bring us back to live life with him. And in fact, it ends with this uh, dramatic conclusion that ultimately what, what all this is working towards is this day in which heaven and earth come together, where God dwells among us, that we are designed, we are created, that the, the perfect God who didn't need us created us because he wanted us and to share himself with us. 
You were created to live life with God. And so what we've been doing is thinking about, so what does it look like to live life with him? And so we're going through the book of Mark. Each week we're looking at a different chapter and we're trying to see what's important to Jesus. Because if it's important to him, it should be important to us. And we're trying to figure out how do we make these things that he, he said and he did and he worked on, how do we make these things important to us as well? So the encouragement is, well, every Sunday we will look at one of the, 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 the stories in, in the, uh, the chapter. But our encouragement is, is that you will be listening on your own, that you'll do some time on your own. And so uh, uh, in the back of the sanctuary, there, as you go out through the lobby, there are these uh, journals. They're open. There are just a ton of pages where you can kind of write down and listen. One of the best features, I think, as Ken was sharing all the different things you can do on the app, one of the best features is that you can see a daily Bible reading, something that you can do. Uh, for a lot of us, we just don't know where to start, but there's a daily Bible reading where you can slow down and instead of kind of rushing through the Bible, you can let the Bible get through you. You can let God speak to you and you can learn to listen. And we're going to see today how important that is that we learn to listen. How good of a listener are you? Because life with Jesus means listening and doing what he says. So let's turn to Mark chapter 4, the passage Justin just read. Let's look a little deeper at what he wants to say here. And the context as you're turning there, just to kind of give you an idea of what he's doing. So the context of what's happening is uh, what we've been seeing over these first couple chapters is Jesus is doing some incredible things. And as a result of that, the crowds are growing. They're they're pressing in on him. They're going to crush him, in essence. But it's fascinating what Jesus does is he goes to this. It says he goes to the the Sea of Galilee, goes to this giant lake. He goes down to the shore. He gets into one of the boats and he pushes off a few feet. And it's, it's fascinating, 2,000 years later, archaeologists and sound engineers have gone to this spot they think where Jesus did this. They call it the Bay of Parables, where Jesus did a lot of his teaching. And they've discovered that it's this natural amphitheater. It's almost as if Jesus might have known something about the, the, the creative design of, of building this spot. Because uh, they say that, that someone could sit where he is, and, and without any amplification, they, you could speak and thousands of people could hear you up on the hillside. So he goes to this spot, and it says that he begins to teach in parables. Now what parables are, is uh, parables are stories that Jesus would tell where he takes something familiar and he laid alongside something maybe that wasn't so familiar, something that was unfamiliar. He would take something that was a, a, a story, he'd lay it alongside a truth. So a parable is a, a story that you lay alongside, uh, kind of parallel with a truth. And what he's trying to do is a couple things. He is trying to help them understand what the kingdom is about, but he's doing it in a very unique way. We see that, that parables actually require some work. So more than illustrations, parables actually uh, require from you uh, uh, the initiative to be uh, imaginative, to uh, provide some thought. You have to invest some thought and some discernment. You have to be listening, really listening to catch it. Because if you're not, so what the parables do is in some ways they're targeted towards the people that are, that are open to him and seeking him. But to those who were in essence adversaries to him, they would begin to discover, they were, they were going to miss this. And we'll see this a uh, little later in the text. But you got to think about this. Jesus is doing uh, something very important in telling these parables. On the one hand, what he's doing is he's revealing what is happening. So this parable is a parable where he's going to basically say, up to this point, let me, let me give you a picture of what's been happening since I've been here. And he's going to describe everyone in the audience with four different pictures. 
And, and then what he's going to do is he gives this kind of provocative challenge. Are you listening? Is that where you want to be? Because if you're really listening, you, you may realize that something needs to change. And he kind of gives us this challenge. And then he's going to explain the parable. And it's interesting because he kind of cloaks it from everyone. And, and cloaking it was important because you have to also think of it this way. Jesus is beginning to describe that his kingdom is different than what everybody expected. People wanted him to come in on a white horse and conquer but he's going to begin to say, no, my kingdom's actually more like a seed. It's more like yeast in a dough. It's, it's more like this, these little things, a little mustard seed that comes in and you don't think it's anything big. And then it grows into this giant uh, tree, this giant bush that birds come. I mean, he does all these pictures to say, what I'm doing is not what you think I should do. But this is what God is up to. But it's also important in this way. Because if you come, imagine uh, you want to... Uh, uh, rule the United States and you go and set up camp on the lawn of the White House and say, I am now declaring myself the new ruler of America, okay? Um, you're going to be arrested quite quickly and there's going to be uh, some persecution against you. So Jesus, in the same way, there's a power, Rome. There's a king, Herod. He's been placed there by, by Rome. There, there are powerful structures. And so when someone comes and says, In the midst of what you see, I am launching a new kingdom, and I'm the king. And so he's sharing it in a way where it doesn't quite give it all away all at once. He'll get more overt as he goes on, but right now, he needs to share in parables. And this is the parable that Mark gives us that says, this parable will help you kind of see all the parables after it. And so as Justin began to read, let's look at those first verses again. He says, again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got in a boat and sat in it uh, out on the lake while the people were along the shore at the water's edge. And he taught them many things by parables and in teaching said, uh, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed and he was scattering the seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil Uh, It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on the good soil. It came up, it it, uh, grew and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. And then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. So Jesus asked the question, have you been with me during this time? And he says, let me explain what's been happening. And he goes, let me give you a picture of what's been happening so far. And he says, you know, a farmer comes out and he uh, is going to, he wants to build a crop. And so he begins to scatter seeds. So here's how a farmer would do it. Different maybe than how you see it. You're driving on uh, I-5 up, up, the, up uh, California, you see all this stuff that's growing neatly in rows. It was a little different then. So uh, let's just say this section right here is my plot of land and I'm the farmer. What I would do is I would till up the ground and then I'd have this little kind of uh, uh, sack uh, around me and I would have seed and I would just kind of begin to sort and scatter the seed all over. So there's two barriers to my land. 
the walking path. This is the hard path that you would get to go from one place to another. And then the other barrier that you're going to have is on this side. It's all you guys over there. You're the thorns. You're the, it's kind of like a fence or think of the briar. So you guys can, you know, whatever. You guys are the ones, but there's this kind of uh, something that would divide my property from my neighbor's property. So you have this, this uh, uh, part of ground that is built this way. So that this thorny ground, this hard path, this fertile soil that's here. Uh, but he also, you can see there's parts of the soil where there's, there's kind of hard rock that's there. And he says this, that, you know, some of the, the seed, if I'm going out and I'm throwing seed, you know what happens. Some of it's going to fall on the hard path. And we haven't tilled that. So the seed's just going to sit on the, on the top and, and the birds will come and eat them just as birds do. And some of it are going to fall in those spots, you know, those spots that are shallow. There's that hard rock. It's great for building, but it's not great for planting. They're going, to, they're going to start to sprout up, but they're not going to be able to last as their root can't get deep enough and they're going to burn up under the sun. Some of the seed as I'm throwing the seed is going to fall along where the thorn bushes are to separate our property. And they're going to have to compete their whole existence for nourishment and sunlight and water with these thorns. And because of that, though, they, they might grow, but they'll never really be fruitful. But he says, you know what a farmer does? A farmer is making an investment. The farmer's hope is that every seed is going to multiply. Now, a good, a, a, a normal harvest would be tenfold. And he's saying, but when, when I'm doing this, uh, uh, you see 20, 30, 60, uh, 100 times what was sown. And he's saying, this is what's happening as I've been sharing. And, there, and, and now, if you think everyone got it, you, we'll, we'll notice, we'll go into this. Everyone's kind of looking at him going, what are you talking about? What do you mean? And he's making a commentary that as I've been preaching, some of it has just, you've totally missed it. You don't want to hear what I have to hear. You're like hard ground. And others of you, you're excited about it, but when you realize there's a cost involved, you're not so excited. And others of you are interested, but you realize that you're not ready to give up all the things that, that go with it. And others of you, though, you are with me. You're hearing, and you're, 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 you're coming along with me. You're, you're wholeheartedly doing what I'm asking of you. And he gives this message for them and the challenge so are you listening? The question is this, do you like where you're at? Are you content with that? Or does something need to change? And then the teaching ends, it says that, uh, notice that what happens next. It says that then he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked him about the parables. And he told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those who are on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving. They may ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Now, of course, we know the mission of, of Jesus is not to keep uh, his gospel from him. He wants all people to be saved. We see that. But again, notice what he's doing. He's, he's putting this in language that if you are open to, to what he's saying, you're going to receive this. But if you are resistant to him, he's going to share these things that are going to continue to make it hard for you because what is required of you is not to force him into your paradigm, but for you to realize you have to turn and change and come under his lordship and leadership. And so he realizes that the disciples are having a hard time. And I think one of the things that's very interesting in this moment, notice what he's thinking, what he's saying. He's not interested in building crowds. 
Uh, you and I are intoxicated by crowds, right? We want followers now, right? You want followers on, on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and everything else that you do. You want, you want crowds. If you're going to do anything, you want customers. You want, right? That's how we, that is a sign of success to us. And if you were with Jesus and you saw the thousands sitting on the, on the hillside, you'd probably be pretty excited. And G- what you see is Jesus is never intoxicated by crowds. He's always trying to make disciples. He's always drawing us into something much deeper than just being attracted to him. He wants you to follow him. So notice what he says when he comes into the disciples. He says this. And he said to them, don't you understand this parable? How are you ever going to understand any parable? And then he describes it. He says, the farmer sows the, the word. And some people are like seed along the path. When the word is sown, as soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once they receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, the desires for other things, they come in and choke the word and make it unfruitful. But others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. So Jesus is, is describing something, and then he's kind of breaking it down, and he's, in essence, asking us, where are you in this? So let's do the same thing. Let's ask ourselves the same question. As you hear God's vision for his kingdom, as you hear the call of God to come live your life with him, how are you responding to him? Are you like the hard path? If you're the hard path, then you realize that um, there's a part of you that's just closed off to God and to the things of God and the things that he wants. We might say this is kind of a life we would call over God, where we've kind of envisioned, I think I can do my life better without religion, without God. I'll come here and spend an hour because the person next to me, it pacifies them, but I'm really not interested in what you're selling. And you realize there's a hardness to this. There's not an openness. There's a closeness to us. I, I would describe it this way. Uh, maybe this is an illustration. Uh, next week is the Super Bowl. And I, you're going to hear ad nauseum that Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback ever. And I refuse to believe that. Now, I refuse to believe this because of stubbornness. I don't want to believe it. He plays for New England. I'm tired of losing to Boston. I'm tired of them winning everything. No matter, you can make whatever case you want. I'm not listening. I'm close to it. I'm stubborn. In fact, I will listen to talk radio, sports talk radio all week long to build what's called confirmation bias. I will search and filter all the kind of information that build my case so that when I see uh, Matt Greasby walking around in his Patriots jersey next Sunday, I will continue to troll him and say, he's not the greatest of all time, he's the luckiest of all time, okay? So now, agree or not, you realize, Bill, you're a fool. You're just a stubborn fool. Be open to the dialogue. Be open to the conversation. And I'm like, no, right? I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Now, the same thing happens in the church, we can be very closed off. It, it, it's, it's frightening. It's frightening that the people that were most closed off to Jesus were some of the most educated, theologically educated people. But they were unwilling to, be, to shift to what he was saying. 
they had in their mind the way it was, and they did not want to change. They, in the same way as they had folded their arms, they were set in their ways, they did not want to change. And we need to realize this. Now, here's one of the challenges. If you realize, okay, I hate to admit it, but that's me. In the story, God is the farmer, or we might call him the divine gardener. The seed is the message, and we're the soil. I don't know if you've ever done any kind of gardening, but soil can't change itself. So soil has no control over this. So if you realize you're the hard soil, there's not much you can do about it except this. What we want to see in this passage is this, is that the soils indicate uh, being receptive. And if you realize there's a stubbornness in my heart, I really don't want to hear this, let me ask you to, to pray a prayer. Maybe if God doesn't exist, then you waste no energy on this. But perhaps he does. And perhaps what he wants for you is this amazing life with him. You lose nothing by offering a seed of faith prayer to say, God, if you are real, you're going to have to soften my heart and open me up to this because everything in my life to this point has closed me off to it. And I don't want to hear these things, but if they're true and they're right and they're good and I need to hear these things, then soften my heart. Look, if he's not there, then that, that's not that. You're not, what are you going to lose by offering that? But you could gain everything by praying that. Are you the hard soil? Are you like the shallow ground? The shallow ground. You know, when we see the shallow ground, one of the things that we see is this emotional response. We hear it, and with joy, we're like, I'm all in. Because it sounds like it's going to make our life better. I like what Jesus is selling. This is going to enhance my life. It builds to my, my uh, resume. Whatever it is, how it's going to make me look better. But notice what it says, that, that when you follow Jesus, you are going to encounter difficult things. And what it's saying is that there's no counting the cost. And so when those difficult things come, if your vision of this life is just that it was going to make my life better, when the difficult things come, you're like, wait a second, I was sold, uh, uh, you know, some kind of lie. I thought my life was going to get better. It just got harder. You've kind of, you've missed the message, he says. In part, what you're missing is, you're missing the, the, the kind of vision of the kingdom that allows you to receive and, and be okay with the fact that there will be cost involved. Um, we were just singing uh, a song, and we, said, we, we sang this, this line. I will build my life. Okay, that's a decision to receive and do the message. I will build my life upon your law. Is that right? What was it? Love. Right? Because why? Because what we're saying is, when I stop and stand back and go, oh, wow, the great I am, this great God, this great God who's beyond all things, he's, tra- he's transcended beyond all things in this world, has entered into this world on my behalf, and he stood in my place, and he, he, he took my place, he became my sacrifice. Every punishment that was, I, was deserving of me, I, I, he took instead upon him, and now he... The eternal God invites me into a life with him and we are so overwhelmed by his love that we say to him, wherever you want to go, whatever it costs me, I trust you. How can I not trust you after all you've done for me? 
And if you're in the shallow ground, in some ways, I think what, what the reason why you're struggling is your vision of who he is and your vision of what he's done is too small. One of the things I think is really important, parents, uh, as we think about this spiritual parenting, is that the, the instructions to parents all through, the, and really to the older community, to build faith in the next generation, the instruction was this, to keep showing them who God is and what he's done. For them to see the great character of God and then to see the way that he had provided deliverance for them in in all the different ways. And when you see this, when your vision of him is is that great, you you begin to understand. Uh, And Psalm 78 says that they will then put their trust in him. Why do they put their trust in him? Because they, they believe that vision. They see who he is and they believe what he's done. And they say, how can I not go with him? And I understand who he is. And so are you like the shallow ground? Can you capture a vision of how good he is? Are you like the thorny ground? Are you like the thorny ground? Is there a competition in your heart? Notice again, what he says is you're open to this. You receive this, but you realize there's this tug of war constantly going on in your life between the things that God wants and the things that you want. And I would say a lot of us, if not most of us, fall in this from time and time again. I know myself. Where, where I'm finding myself constantly is in that thorny uh, situation where I find myself on a Sunday or, or in a life group saying, oh, wow, this is revealing this competition in my heart. This is revealing the thorns in my heart. This is revealing where the tug of war is going. And so what you experience in that tug of war is that you, experience, you don't experience the fullness of the life that you're supposed to have with God. In fact, for some of you, you think, I mean, you're just experiencing like Christianity is boring or it's unfulfilling or it's just not fruitful. And the reason is you're allowing this competition to continue on. And what many of us need to have happen in, in, in our times together here is to say to the divine gardener, there are thorns in my heart. And if you don't come and help me remove them, I, I, I cannot, there's nothing in me that's going to be able to allow this to grow. Maybe one way to look at it is this. Jesus used uh, Carly. Where are you? Carly, Becca, come here. Here, you can help me. We'll, we'll do it this way. We'll show it this way. All right. So uh, one of the images, come right here, right in the front here, right in the front here, right in the front here. See, you can always see. She can't listen and follow. Okay. Now, hold on to this Kajabi can-can rope. We'll use this as a... Uh, so let's... So one of the images that Jesus gives is this. He says, come to me, all of you who are burdened and weary, and I will give you rest. And then he says this phrase, he says, take my yoke upon you. So a yoke, a yoke was a harness that you put on oxen. And the idea was that, the idea is that they move together. So what Jesus is saying is yoke yourself to me. Harness yourself to me. Do this life with me. That's what it means to follow him is do this life with me. And what many of us realize is that in some ways that, that that's not how it works is that we are like that young kind of calf that is kind of pulling away. And if you can't consistently pull away in the yoke, what's going to happen is you're going to get a lot of calluses on your neck. You're going to need a lot of chiropractic care. Like if, if your neck is tired, spiritually speaking, it's because you are pulling against him. So let's say, um, Carly, for purposes, you are Jesus, okay? And Becca, you are Becca, okay? And so what you begin to see is this, that uh, let's say, for example, the path that Jesus wants to take 
Becca on is this path over here. But Becca, uh, as the passage said, there's things that draw her. There are things that entice her. There are things she wants. So Jesus, go ahead and take her where she goes. But, but Becca, take, her, take Jesus where you want to go, right? And so rather than actually moving in this... Okay. You get the you get the idea. All right, good job, girls. But you see, Jesus is going. Maybe maybe Jesus is getting pulled along, which is never what he intended to do. But you're far from where he has he wanted to get you. Where he wanted to get you was up this path in this way. But we are so enticed by these other things that we have going on. These notice what he says. It's things like we're not ready to give over wealth. We're not ready to give over the, these other desires. You know, sex and sexuality, pleasure, uh, fame, power. All these things that are important in the world, we're not ready to let him be the leader in it. Doesn't mean that we don't, he's not going to take us through things like work and money and career and all these things. He has good plans and all those but we're not ready to give over control of those things. And until you're willing to let him be Lord over all the areas of your life, this tug of war will continue to go. It doesn't mean you have lost life with him. One, uh, there's an old illustration. It said this, that um, on the boat of salvation, you may not be able to fall off, but you can fall on it, break every bone, and spend the entire trip in the infirmary. Okay? And this is where some of us are. It's just like we, we are so resistant and we're letting these thorns grow that we're missing the life. But here, don't miss this last one, the good soil. Are you the good soil or do you desire to be the good soil? Because what I don't want you to miss is this. The good soil, God's vision for your life for good soil isn't a normal life. It's not normal. It's not tenfold. It's 30. It's 60. It's 100-fold. Uh, the way one uh, passage describes it is that what God wants to do in your life is exceedingly, abundantly, immeasurably more than anything you ever hoped for or or could imagine. That's what he wants to do. But the way we get there, you see, is by hearing, by listening, and by doing these things. This word, akuo, this verb, akuo, to hear, to heed, This is an important verb that comes all through the book of Mark. And and the reason why it's so important is because Jesus is constantly asking, are you with me? Are you with me? Are you listening? Are you with me? And so I want us to pray about that. I want us to pray to the divine gardener. And I want us to ask, if you need to ask him to soften the soil or to remove the rock or to help you pull the weeds and thorns, to make your heart receptive, we want to do that. But, But let me end with this as a, as an illustration before we do that. Uh, I was listening to a pastor share about his, he had a, uh, a son, he's about, he said he's about five or six years old, and he said his son came up to him and he said, Dad, what does it sound like when God speaks to you? He thought, wow, that's a great question. He said he didn't really know how to answer it. He said the years went by and he said, uh, uh, my son got to middle school, he went to middle school camp, and he was super excited. So the next day, he decided to go up with another pastor to, to visit all the kids, all the students that were up at, at the camp and, and to see them. And when he got up there, he found out that his son had been in a fight, that he'd been very aggressive and he was unrepentant about what he had done. 
In fact, when he heard his dad was there, he went into his cabin, he packed his bag up, and he went to the car and he stuffed everything in the car and said, take me home. And so before the dad decided to leave, he said he decided to take his son on one last walk. And they walked into the woods and they found these two rocks and they sat on the rocks. And he said to his son, he said, uh, his son Aaron, he said, Aaron, uh, is there another voice speaking to you in your heart? And Aaron said, yes. And he said, what is the voice saying? He said, to stay and to work it out. And then he asked him, Aaron, who do you think that voice is coming from? And Aaron replied, I think it's God. And then he said, but I don't care what God says. I'm not doing it. (laughs) And the dad said, he, he took a moment and he said, Aaron, it's your decision. And I respect that. But let me help you understand this moment in your life. Because something quite spectacular has happened God has spoken into your soul. And you have a choice. And the choice is that you can resist this voice. And if you resist this voice, then you will grow dull to what he's saying. And your heart will grow hard. And you will begin to miss what it is that he wants to say. And you will even get to the point that one day you will deny that he ever spoke to you or ever does speak. But if today... You hear his voice and you respond to what he's saying, then your ears will become more attuned to his voice and your heart will grow more open to what he wants. And you will learn how to live this life with God as he has always intended. And he went on to say that his son had uh, made the decision to stay and to work things out. And he said it became this kind of pivotal moment in his son's life because he realized at that moment, had his son chosen to leave, to, to resist, to reject, to not listen to God's voice in his life, that he would become like many people in the church, their faith weak and nominal, uh, kind of this, this sense of discipleship uh, uh, lacking, What about you? How good a listener are you? Life with Jesus means listening and doing what he says. And so let's take a moment. Let's pray. I'm going to give you a moment of silence before uh, Mitch and the team comes. And I just want to ask you, take a moment and ask the divine gardener if you know your heart has been hard to him. He's He's not put off. He's not offended by you saying, I will need your help. If you realize there are rocks and his life is not going deep, then ask him to remove them. If there are thorns, if there are weeds that are choking out the life of your faith, then tell him. Ask him to remove them. Pray that you have a receptive heart. Let's take a moment to pray.